0: You're very welcome back to Saturday Chronicle on Scarif Bay. Community Radio, Darrell Leamy, Jennifer McConnell and Matthew Jordan-Allen are your hosts for this morning's show. And before we move on, uh, our text or WhatsApp number is 0892582647 and we'd love to hear from you or you can email uh, sbcrstudio at gmail.com. Now, as I said in my introduction earlier on, we have a slightly different format to the show this morning. We're going to look back at the year gone by Uh, 2023, um, and it's obviously Saturday Chronicle related, of course. Uh, We have a couple of interviews, um, from different Saturday Chronicle presenters lined up, which we're going to play snippets of and hopefully discuss them afterwards. And my one of my highlights was Michael Dunlan, um, the Irish dancer. He has performed with River Dance, Dance Parados. He is an Irish dance teacher currently in Ennis. He's also uh, a teacher below in Shannon and uh, he has performed with the renowned Kilfenora Cayley band and done many other um many other gigs across the world so i really found him interesting and in this particular um, snippet he talks about um the future of Irish dancing after the scandal um which which was all about um judges giving money to uh, dance teachers um, to give better marks. And there was a huge, huge uproar, huge uproar um, uh, when this happened. What did you say, John. Sorry,
1: I was going to say, was it not the other way around? that the teachers given the judges the money or was it the judges giving the teachers? Sorry,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teacher, oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. We forget what I say. Sorry. Teachers. OK, let, let's let's start that again. Teachers giving, sorry, Dara. <laughs> no, thank you for correcting me. Uh, teachers giving money and to judges to give better marks Um so look at we, we'll play it and we'll discuss a little bit about it afterwards if we can get it working yeah. last summer the irish dancing commission was informed of that allegations of at least 12 irish dancing mm. teachers in ireland overseas were involved in the fixing of uh, competitions mm. this involved you know promises to award higher marks to competitors at the Irish dancing events Mm. I mean we all knew it was happening but we were waiting Mm. for it at some stage to be publicised so what's Mm. your perception on that briefly
2: well you know I think there's um, there's honesty and dishonesty in every single Mm. in every single you know um, competitive area no matter what it is um, in every sport Uh, when it comes to Irish dancing I I, you know 90% of people welcomed this and welcomed the fact that it was you know that the the lid was blown off it it's it's happening for years it's happening when i danced it happened when you danced yes, exactly yeah you know yeah. and i don't think we we'll, it'll ever be 100% eradicated from from every sport but um you know there are currently now 44 um adjudicators and dance teachers that have been implicated and that are under investigation wow. mm. um and they you know they will be fully investigated and uh, it will be dealt with mm. and and you know we have to put this into context really as well there are 3,000 members in uh, on Commission Lorinka Gaelica worldwide um, so there are plenty of fantastic good honest creative people in the organisation So you
0: don't think this will affect the way Irish dancing goes in the future? I think
2: it will affect it in a positive way mm. I think bring transparency integrity full transparency mm. and um I think it's 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 welcomed. I think it's going to clean it up big time mm-hmm. um, and we're looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Dara, I think um, it was very interesting actually talking to him when he was with us in February and even in terms of seeing the interest in Irish dancing. But it, it, again, a, a lot of, you're either in the know or you're not. And unfortunately, when people hear of scandals, mm. then it kind of nearly erodes any of the good work. That's and of course,
0: um, many might know this, but I have been an Irish dancer for many, many years from a small age until recently and unfortunately we knew about this scandal. Yeah, okay. We knew okay, it okay. was happening but yeah. we were just waiting for it to actually be come to the fore. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And
1: I think it's like anything. It's like, uh, you know, all of the amazing work that's done by Irish dance teachers, mm. by the actual students, mm. the dancers themselves and it's like any kind of group where there's these scandals and unfortunately it's it's the, at the corruption at the high level completely wipes out the work that's been done on the ground by the great people so look hopefully now that this has been revealed it'll actually allow Irish dancing to really kind of get back to the roots of what it's all about yeah
0: and just briefly I mean like we, we and we mentioned there about river dance as well like we see how popular river dance has yeah, become yeah and even across the world in places that you wouldn't think that Irish dancing would yeah. be would and be set popular. dancing and everything like that yeah, like, it's still yeah. something I'd love it to is, try it is still yeah. something that's that's out there yeah but you know since this sc- scandal happened unfortunately i i don't know it it'll it'll take a lot of transparency yeah for, for and people it's to get and back that's, into it again that's the whole thing with governance yeah. but i
1: think that kind of leads us nicely onto our next yeah. um, interview that we are reflecting on Your highlights, but it's isn't it? yeah it's yeah. all that thing about in terms of traditions and rituals and how irish dancing has played a huge part in all of our lives but like when i was in school 100 years ago uh, like irish dancing was just something that you did but you didn't really do anything beyond it and mm-hmm. like there was one patricia Conlon who was a world champion uh, was in my class and we were always just amazed but none of us kind of explored Irish dancing any further. Um, But even thinking like going back even further in terms of traditions and rituals, we were fortunate to have Ruth Marshall, who's based in Mount Shannon, um, and another Scottish lady um, who joined us then in February to talk actually about Imbolc and the rituals of Breed. And we were fortunate that Ruth has just this phenomenal wealth of knowledge. And she was doing, I think, storytelling of a Shana Key. You could actually ring a, dial in a phone number <laughs> and she'd tell you a story. But she's a phenomenal woman, has such a wealth of knowledge. So we invited her in in February at the beginning of Inbuk, to actually learn a little bit more about the rituals, about Breed and about, I suppose, some of the symbolism as well. So there's a, a piece that we have about Breed's cloak. So, uh, Jim, if you can press play on that.
3: Very much a domestic small scale thing. Um, people would select a piece of cloth to be their own little patch of Bridget's cloak. Or in in some places, you know, in coastal island places they might choose a, a you know a fisherman's jumper mm. or something, you know. Yeah. And but whatever they chose, a piece of cloth, a garment uh, they would put that out on the eve of Bridget's Day. You know, you might lay it on the hedge, they might lay it on the ground, weighed down with a few stones or something yeah. to stop it blowing away. And they would leave it out overnight. In the morning, it would be covered in dew. Mm. And it's the dew that has the kind of alchemical, the mystical yeah. properties. So... They would bring that inside, um, and they would dry it out. Mm. You know, they wouldn't be wringing it out. They're okay. not wanting to get rid of the dew. They're yeah. just wanting it to kind of soak in and dry into it. And um, you know, and there might be a there might be a song that would go with that. Favorite Brida shin. We are under Bridget's cloak. You know, if they brought it in mm. over the heads of. The, the family or whatever, and um, once that's dry, that's folded up and put away and kept somewhere safe. Mm. You know, I can imagine it being wrapped up in tissue paper and put in the you know the back drawer of the dresser or something yes, like yeah, that. Okay. But it then it it's said uh, to have healing properties. Mm. So if anybody in the household is ill. Out comes the piece of Bridget's cloak, mm-hmm. and that gets wrapped around them. Now it might be as small as a, a piece of you know, a piece of ribbon, okay. you know, which if you had a headache, would get tied around your forehead. Oh, nice. yes, if you had yes. a sore throat, it would get tied around your throat. Yeah. Um But if it's a big enough piece of fabric, if there's a woman in the house, um, about to go into labour mm. be wrapped around her shoulders. Yeah. And you know, when I'm describing this to children, I'd say to them, it's like it's it would be as if Bridget herself had wrapped her arms around them. Yeah. You know, and they'd feel the warmth and the support of of Lovely. of her yeah. presence there. So that's um so that's the Vrat, the Vrat braided um, Bridget's cloak. cloak
4: yeah.
1: So that was really interesting in terms of from when Ruth was with us is actually the preparations that people make with regard to kind of welcoming in the spring, welcoming in the new season. And like that, getting a piece of cloth to commemorate Bridget as her cloak, placing it on a hedge, waiting for the dew to take it and then actually keeping that piece of clo- uh, cloth then as a protector for you. So I did ask Ruth a few more about the kind of rituals. What are the things that people need to do to actually, I suppose, prepare for bulk? And it usually kicks off on the 31st of January. So we thought we would uh, give a little bit of an insight to everybody so that they can get prepared for the month to come.
3: I'd say one of the best things people can do is um, on the eve of Bridget's Day, Mm. put out either their piece of cloth or a lump of butter or a bowl of water. Um, The tradition says that on the eve of Bridget's Day, Bridget travels Mm. the length and breadth of Ireland Mm. and anything that's left out for her, she blesses. Yes. Okay, so um water's
1: a good thing and isn't isn't there one of them was that you actually leave something out for Bridget's cow and that was a way to in terms of bless the the herd and bless the land and actually bless the the farming and the the fishing for the year to come,
3: yeah, that could that could work in the mm. same way that we leave a carrot for Santa's reindeer. Yes, yep. yep. She was supposed to be accompanied by her white cow. Yeah,
4: um,
3: as she traversed the country. Yeah. One of the other things, though, people used to do um, in certain parts. You know, this is the time of year that you're you're buying in your seed potatoes mm. and you're and you're leaving them out to chit. Yes. So. Um, Sometimes people would leave a seed potato out on the windowsill for oh. Bridget to bless, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then the morning bring it back in, put it back in the sack with all the rest of them. And it blesses the rest. Exactly, oh, you I know. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when you plant them out when it
1: comes time for that, well, you know. So in May then moving into Further into the year, we had the great pleasure of being in Tulla Secondary School
0: yes, before indeed. Dara finished it and
1: <laughs> left with glowing marks from his leaving cert um, and taking the, the media world by storm. So, Dara.
0: Yes, um, we're going to have a bit of music um, from Ashing Niklerik. She was a former student, of course, of St. Joseph's Secondary School in Tulla. And just to give you a bit of a background on her, um, she was awarded a uh, Gratham um Award. Uh, and this award was given to two or three students who did the most to promote the Irish language on the campus in UCC throughout the year and she played a bit of a, a live piece um, and it was called Dolly's Hill so we'll have a listen to this and we'll talk about it afterwards
5: I'll just play your reel there it's called um, Dolly's Hill it's um, composed by Eddie Kelly
0: so. Very good, take it away oh, Thanks That was Ashik Nuclearik playing Dolly's Hill uh, during Saturday Chronicle, which was broadcast live uh, jo- uh, in the month of May of this year from St Joseph's Secondary School in Toilet. And speaking of which, Matthew, I think that was your one of your first live broadcasts with us here in, in, in Scarab Bay Community Radio.
6: Yes, I think it was my second or third. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy the experience of going to obviously your school?
6: Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. it was funny to see it in a, di- in a different way. Like I was just. It's so funny to be in the school in the morning Honestly, on day I wouldn't right? normally be there <laughs> yeah. for a reason other than to be educated.
0: And, of course, on that particular day, we interviewed your dad. So yeah. talk to us about that. Uh, we we have the clip here, but it's a little bit... we, we have, very long. We, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. it in order. Mm-hmm. So would you like to just talk about what we
6: interviewed your dad about? Yeah, so um, we had talked about my dad's fundraising efforts for the Alzheimer's. Irish Alzheimer's Association. Yeah. Society, yeah. Society, yeah, yeah. that's what it's yeah. called. Yeah. 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 And um, he had talked about how he had climbed the four highest peaks in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Mm. And at that point in time, he had yet to climb the three highest peaks in the, over in Britain. And he's now climbed all three of those.
1: And how did he get on doing that?
6: Um, he got on very well, actually. Yeah. He enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. Were you meant to go on one of the, the trips with him, climbing one of the mountains? Uh, that was a hope at the time, but um, didn't really match up with... Yeah. with your schedule, yeah, as well. Yeah, my schedule, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just went over on his own and got to watch a soccer game as well after that climb, I think. Too, nice. So. And
1: how how has the fundraising gone for him so far?
6: Uh, he's gone very well. Yeah. Yeah. He's got good few sponsorships and a lot of money from the community. He's been, he's camped up in Shannon a few times
0: now um, with a bucket. Ah, nice. In, the, yeah. S- in Skycourt. Yeah. And from yeah. what money. I can remember as well, uh, people would be wondering why the Alzheimer's Society raising money for, but uh, sadly your grandparents, your your father's, uh, parents ha- uh, was it, sorry. It was your mother, th- uh, your By your grandmother and f- your dad side that yeah. uh, had okay. passed from
6: yeah. Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah, so yeah. he decided that he would start to raise a bit of money for it. God, yeah. he's
1: phenomenal. Very good. And is he still is he still accepting donations?
6: Yes, he's still accepting donations. As at the same time, or sorry. Well, at the la- for the last interview that we had with him, yeah, he was also planning on climbing climbing Kilimanjaro, which is going to be coming up in January. Wow! So in three weeks from now, he's going to be climbing Kilimanjaro. A oh my for gosh! Best. Yeah, yeah that's he, phenomenal. he's um, the training he'd been doing back then. He had just been doing some jogs, running, a few smaller things like that. But now he's actually got his own um,
1: routine. What, yeah, he's and, got yeah. he's
6: in a gym now and he's got a fitness program there.
1: Wow, God, that's incredibly so brave of him. And how can people make donations?
6: Um, he has a, I think it's a GoFundMe page, I'm not sure the exact website, it's yeah. one of those GoFundMe pages yeah, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has but it, it would be Michael Allen, would it? Michael Allen, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, so everybody keep an eye out and we will we will post it anyway with this uh, podcast as I'm well. You, right? um, yeah. So very best of luck to yeah. him and are you going to f- literally follow in his footsteps, are you planning on doing <laughs> any hikes yourself?
6: Um, not anytime soon yeah. anyway, I don't <laughs> think, <laughs> <laughs> nothing that will rival, um the heights that he's reached
1: anyway. Yeah. But in all fairness now, you, you've set your own stage literally by uh, playing uh, Danny in Greece recently. So I think you're bringing your rise yeah. to fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not letting you away yeah. about that one. No, you
0: did very good in fairness. Yeah, done
1: So Dara, next up, we had, going back to March, we actually had Judy Murphy that came in and talked to us um, about her, I suppose, life in journalism.
0: Yes, uh, she was, she's originally from Tulla. And she is a journalist with the Connacht Tribune newspaper, still currently to this day. And some of the stories that she covered, and will, many many of, of our listeners will remember this, was the, the, the tragic murder of Imelda Riney. And uh, I can't remember, the, what was the priest's name? Um, Father... Oh, God. Yeah, I can't remember him now. Joe. Father, yeah. Father
1: Joe. But, but that was anyways, in the 1990s. It yeah, was t- t- The yeah.
0: Priest in Woodford, and she spoke about how she covered that story for, for the newspaper, and it was very interesting to hear to hear her, her her insight on that. So we'll, we'll we'll have we'll have a listen to it, and we'll talk about it again afterwards.
5: But it is a challenge. Mm. And I mean, as I say, we don't always get it right, and mm. it would be very stupid mm. to think that, yeah. you know yeah. that we did. We should try, yeah. Absolutely. And come here
0: you—I mean—as you I, I mean, as you're, uh, during your time as a journalist, you covered many headlines, including the w- the one that our listeners will probably all be f- very familiar with: uh, the murder of Imelda Riney and Father Joe Walsh. Locally, talk to me about that. What did you find out in the end?
5: Oh Lord, that was—I was at home one day, and I was freelancing at the time, and the Irish Press was still on the go. You probably don't remember the Irish Press, but it was a very good newspaper, and it had a really good news editor. And he rang me and he said, there's a woman missing um, around Lockray, uh, Woodford, and asked me to go to the the station in Lockray. It was Wednesday evening, I think.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And we went out and um, there was nothing. I mean, the guards were there, but they weren't at that stage overly concerned about it. And then it just built. And then Father Walsh went missing. And then uh, it became apparent. And then the whole thing started to weave together and... I spent a lot of time out there within in those few days. I mean it was only a ex- very short space of time, but it was just the intensity of it and knowing that this person was there and doing things and it was just, and then I covered uh, Father Joe Walsh's funeral and um, it was horrific Horrific, and, yes Yeah, and the day that Brenda O'Donnell was arrested and brought to the Garda station in Lockway I was there and, it was, and the day, the initial charging before the case moved to Dublin I was there for that and it was really upsetting and I mean, you t- think of the, wi- the woman and her ba- child and you thought of the priest and you thought of this young lad f- locally who, who had just what had happened? How mm. had it happened?
0: And particularly for a small, isolated area like mm. Woodford, I mean, people were, must have been in shock.
5: They were, and people were terrified yeah. at the yeah. time. People were, t- I mean... Terrified, yes. Terrified, even yes. driving out there and going to places. Like, people were just... And I I mean, you were driving yourself and you were thinking, it could be anywhere. Well, it's because like, it's that, m- that fear of the mm. unknown. Yeah, yeah. yeah huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, witnessing something that is kind of like... It's it's beyond anything you yeah. can ever... And, and after that, that, so to speak, that ended, that particular... And then about a week later, I woke up and Morning Ireland was on and there had been a woman found in the boot of a car in a flown oh God, uh, railway yeah. station, oh, pregnant okay, and yeah. had been stabbed. And that was Philomena Galan. Yeah. And that was in, within the space of... if it's all in the month of May in that year. Yes. And I thought, oh, my God, did they get the wrong person? Yeah, yeah.
0: And was the perpetrator guilty then in the end, was he? Yeah, well, Ben yeah. was well, yeah. 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 found yes. guilty. This yes. was a
5: separate story, yes. but it was just in the space of such a short time in such a local area that these mm. two things had
1: happened. It was it was yeah, st- it just brings that fear, and it takes so long to even mm. get, get that sense of, actually we're okay yeah be because okay. you're just constantly looking at everybody that you know
0: and i suppose following on from 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 that uh, judy spoke during that interview um as well about the future of print journalism as a, uh, in the coming years so we'll have a listen to this and we'll talk about it again and people in recent years have expressed their concerns about the future of media as a whole. Particularly, print journalism is what you're involved in. So, what's your perception on that? Where do you see it in the future?
5: I think if something isn't done, as a, to make to realise that things like courts, councils, and H, HSE forum meetings are public services and that if there isn't something done to support that kind of journalism, because the influencers aren't going to write about that, and the trendy people no, on Twitter no, and are no. places aren't going to write about that, if something isn't done to support that, because those are the bedrocks of democracy, then I think we're in real trouble. And the Media Commission has been talking about doing it, but nothing has happened so far. So I don't know, is the answer. I wouldn't be holding out hope.
0: Well, hopefully it won't be a negative outcome, you know. but uh, we'll have to wait and see, as you said. Mm. Judy Murphy, uh, journalist with the Connacht Tribune, thank you very much for joining us on Saturday Chronicle. Yeah, it was kind of interesting there, Jennifer and Matthew, to hear her perception on the future of journalism. I mean, look at obviously we're 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 in radio here, mm. but yeah, I mean it's it. I mean I, yeah, I totally agree with what she says there. I, you know, we hear of um, newspapers dying out because not n- newspapers. I don't. The, the current generation, the younger generation, I suppose, don't really buy newspapers anymore. So My now, generation still do, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I recall
6: as well. Um, not a like really pushed down on newspapers. But I remember I was in Dublin there and I was at, now it's going to sound unrelated at the start, but I was at a skateboard event and we had this what's called a bowl, which is like a pool. Yeah. And it had rained and rained and rained, so it was full of water. Mm. So a load of the boys went down to the shop, bought up all their stock of newspapers and threw them all into the bowl and just used them to...
1: Well, at least they were being <laughs> put to some use, because otherwise they were <laughs> just going to uh, be mop up all the water. <laughs> so they, they weren't there to be red, yeah. So And I just remember yeah.
6: thinking to myself, oh...
0: All the all the effort of the yeah you know.
1: that went into that.
0: But do, what do you what, what's your perception? Do you, no, I do think
1: like I mean I would have to say when I started doing my food security research uh, for my master's, I was buying the Irish Farmers Journal, um, and it was I think much to many people's humor. I'm walking around with a, a farming newspaper. Never it's having on online up. isn't it? But it's all online. Yeah. But the only thing I don't like, I d- it's the same way whenever I was doing any academic work was I, l- I need to have the print version. I need to have the hard copy in my hand. And mm. I think there's something nice about actually turning the page. And I think as well, when you're using, for me, there's something a little bit more authentic about print media. And about the newspapers that when you're sitting down, sitting with a cup of tea, whatever, and then you actually have the newspaper that you actually take your time to read it when it's online. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to just scan.
4: Yes. yes. We're yes. so
1: used to everything being available online. Yes, but yes. I also think that the caliber of what's usually in the print media, with the exception of certain um Media outlets. I think it's always a very high quality. So it's a shame to see the print element go. I can understand why it's evolved and changed, but I think it shouldn't undermine the quality and calibre of the journalism that's still. I I totally agree. Yeah, Yeah, totally agree. And I think, as I was saying, after we were listening to that piece about about what had happened in Whitegate 30 years ago, was that element of whenever we heard of a tragedy It was one of those shocking things that you heard on the news, whereas now it seems to be a daily event that there's at least one shocking event that's happening, both here and internationally. And it's nearly like we've become so saturated with all of the devastation that's happening locally and abroad that we nearly tune out from it. Yes. You know, and I think that's the shame is that we'll align with whatever we have an affinity to. But quite often it then negates all of the other things that are actually happening and people are being affected by.
0: Okay, and uh, thanks, Jennifer, for that. Just a reminder, before we move on, uh, you're listening to Saturday Chronicle on of Bay Community Radio. Dara Jennifer McConnell and Matthew Jordan-Allen, your hosts for this morning's show. And we have a very special show today because we're looking over the year gone by. That is 2023, of course. And uh, John S. Kelly is just after arriving in the studio, so we'll, we'll talk to him in a, in a, in a, in a, in a minute. And uh, But just a reminder again, our text and WhatsApp the whatsapp number is 0892582647 we'd love to hear your thoughts and views on any of the interviews you heard uh, or in, and indeed anything else that's that's happening in east Clare. we'd love to hear from you and you can also email the show sbcrstudio at gmail.com so jim will i hand it over to you good yeah. morning good morning <laughs> 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 and hurry into the show hi jim <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: I, you want a bit of music. Yeah, yes. we, we kind of felt in line with them, um, both uh, honouring those that have gone this year from our, our creative souls within Ireland and also for the fact of the topics that Judy was talking about. We thought we would start by playing Aslan's yes, Crazy World. Yes,
0: Christy Dignam, yeah.